Over the next month, members of fellowship will have the opportunity to nominate new elders to the elder board. In our church governance structure, the elder board is made up of godly men who make critical and significant decisions on behalf of our body. We are not a church with elders. We are a church led by elders. The nomination and recognition process are very important to the health of our church family. Here is what we are asking members of fellowship to do. First, please pray for the elder nomination process and discern whether you should nominate someone to the office of elder. Second, if you do have a nomination, please visit fellowshipnwa.org forward slash elder nomination and complete the online form. Please read the accompanying document entitled Qualifications of an Elder before making your nomination. If you prefer a paper nomination form, you may pick up one at the information desk in the worship center foyer at each campus. The nomination form will be attached to the Qualifications of an Elder document. Please mail paper nominations to the church office on the Rogers campus to the attention of the elders. The deadline for making a nomination is December 11th. Please pray for your elders as we initiate the process of recognizing new elders. Finally, we thank Scott Thompson and Roger Hill for their years of faithful service as elders. They have represented you and the Lord well during their tenure. When you see them, please thank these gentlemen for their faithful service. On another note, a few of the buildings on our Rogers campus need some attention. The Family Center was completed in 1991. The Worship Center and Foyer were completed in 1999. That's a quarter of a century. The elders have approved moving forward with much needed improvements to those buildings. The cost is estimated to be approximately $4.5 million. We don't want to go into debt for this project and we have proven on initiatives of much larger scale that we can get this done if all our congregations work together. My wife Denise and I will be setting up monthly recurring gifts to do our part and I hope you will too. No gift is too large or too small. And remember, it's not about equal giving, but equal sacrifice. On the giving page of our website, you will find capital improvements. You can make a contribution there or set up recurring gifts. We already have $1.3 million in donations, so we are well on our way. God continues to do great things through Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas. Thank you for playing an active role in this great ministry. God bless you, everyone. Good morning, Fellowship. Hey, my name is Brian Pope. I'm the global director here at Fellowship. And I'm here to do body life. And sometimes people ask, um, they're like, why don't we do body life or announcements at the end of the service? You know, it'd be easier to remember what we're talking about. And the reason is, I'm just going to give you kind of an inside uh, of what happens and what we're thinking, is, you know, you're making a transition into here, and a lot of y'all, you know, you fight the parking lot, you have to drop off your kids, your kids might be crying, they don't want to be uh, left there, you have to come in here, you grab your gourmet coffee, and you just need a minute to sit and to transition and be ready to worship, Right? Yeah, and so you need a warm-up guy to come and just kind of warm up the crowd, and so that's what I'm going to do this morning. 
Going to tell you a couple of dad jokes, Christmas dad jokes, to uh, get y'all warmed up. So be with me. Come on. Are you warm? Are you ready? All right. So did you hear the one about the guy who stole the advent calendar? He got 25 days. <laughs> uh, hey, that's a dream of mine that just came true. So <sighs> I'm just going to soak in it for a second. You know, my wife was asking me the other day, I was, or I was asking her, um, man, what, what can I buy you for Christmas? And she said, nothing would make me happier than if you got me a diamond necklace. So I got her nothing. <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, what did Adam say the day before Christmas? It's Christmas Eve. Ah, hey, speaking of Christmas Eve, seamless transition, just another trick of the trade right there, seamless transition. Speaking of Christmas Eve, these are going to be our service times. You may not know, Christmas Eve actually falls on a Sunday uh, this year, and so we're going to have a 9 a.m. and a 1045 uh, service in the morning. But then we're going to have another service at night. And we're asking if you are a regular attender of fellowship, uh, we really want to encourage you to go to the nighttime uh, service just to make room for people that might be coming in from out of town or might be visiting or might, it might be one of those services that we go, yeah, we need to go to uh, during the year. So we want to have plenty of room for them. So we want to encourage you to go to the night uh, service. Hey, something else that happens this time of year, and it's something that, that I'm very fond of and just love and just just able to see how much this blesses people. But during the end of the year, we take a gift offering and we ask people to give to the gift. And this is a way that fellowship, most of this money that we receive, and we received over half a million dollars last year, most of this money goes out. And when I say go out, I literally mean go out. It goes out to ministries all across the world uh, and here locally and nationally, but it goes out to bless those, especially some ministries that we normally uh, may not be able to bless. And so this past year, like I said, over half a million dollars went out. Uh, it went to th over 37 different ministries in 20 different countries. And so we got to bless things like prison ministries, um, rescuing kids out of child slavery, digging wells in Africa, church planning, Bible translations, training up deaf pastors. I mean, just numerous things. And so we just want to ask, uh, we just want to say thank you for your generosity. And so uh, if you're able to bless the gift uh, at the end of the year, know that it is being used to change lives uh, all over the world. And with that, let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much. And um, dear God, this is one of my favorite seasons uh, that we have. And dear God, where we get to reflect on the gift that you've given us through your son, Jesus Christ. And dear God, for the next several weeks, that's really what we're going to be focusing on, that you loved us so much to send your son. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us this morning as we sing this song? The song is simply the message of Advent. So let's think about these words.
you thought about the words that we just sang, but it says, our deliverer, you are savior. And in your presence, we find our strength. And he's, he's with us now. Around Christmas, we hear the word Emmanuel often. And Emmanuel just means God with us. That's what we just sang. Hey, if you're new with us at Fellowship, we're so glad you're here. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. And every time around December for four weeks, we do what's called Advent. And Advent, it's a word that simply just means coming or arrival. And so we take four weeks and we look at four characteristics. We look at hope, peace, joy, and love. And we focus our services around that theme of the Lord's coming and what it meant for God's people, for hope. What is hope? You ever thought of that? If someone asked you, what is hope? What would you say? What is hope? Well, a lot of times we use the word hope in a wishful thinking kind of way. And I think the Bible talks about it in a different way. Let me give you two examples. One idea of hope would be a kid looking out the window, hoping that it snows so that he can get out of school the next day. That's wishful thinking. The other example would be a kid who's hoping for Christmas Day. You see the difference? One's wishful thinking, one's expectant waiting. And you see, as followers of Jesus, our hope is found in this waiting of a returning king. Isaiah talks about it. John talks about it. Jesus, he's come, and now we wait with expectation for his second coming. How different would our life look if we lived with waiting, waitful expectation as hope? So this morning, as we sing songs of hope, I want to encourage you to reorient your mind around that idea of hope, that we wait with expectation for a king who will come for his people once again. And so as we sing songs of hope, sing those with us, and let's think about it that way. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. Oh, night, 
this with me. Oh, come thou day spring. Oh, come thou day spring. Come and cheer our spirits by thine agony. Disperse the gloomy cloud. Fellowship. My name is Chance Kane, and I've been on staff up in Rogers as the FSM Springdale Boys pastor for a little while now. I have with me Logan Raven. He is a senior here at the University of Arkansas, and he was one of the first guys I actually got to spend time with in this position. But like any Arkansas student, the only way I could get to know him was over a cup of coffee. And so every Thursday, him and I would go to Old Pine, and we'd open up some truth, and we'd talk about it. And we would talk about life. And as we continue to hang out and as the weeks passed, I got to hear this guy's story. I heard how he was raised by an amazing family who loved the Lord, who desired that their sons would be disciples of Jesus. But I also heard the story of a guy who was blinded by his sin, who had convinced himself that his sin wasn't that bad, who didn't truly understand his need for a savior. But fellowship, that's not how his story ends. Because by the spirit, by the conviction of the word, and honestly, the faithfulness of many of you here, through the way that you teach and you proclaim the gospel, and your friends right there, Raven, the way that they've prayed and talked with you, that's when you understood your freshman year. You understood that you were dead, but that we have a God who gives life. And so we're going to celebrate that today. But hey, I just want you to know we see this in you. Your friends, your family, we see the way that the Lord's worked in you. It's evident in how you disciple the students in your cell group, in the way that you evangelize in your fraternity. And friend, when Paul says that you are a new creation in Christ, that the old has passed away, the new is gone, Logan, I see that in you. And so fellowship, let's celebrate that this morning because that's what baptism is. It's a way that the people of God get to celebrate the story of God in our life. You see, Logan, in baptism, 
what you're saying is that you believe that Jesus died and that he rose again. But Logan, in baptism, you're saying that that's your story too, that you were dead, but you have been raised to walk in new life. And so Logan, in the presence of your family, in the presence of your friends and the congregation that's loved you, do you profess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and that you will follow him in the rest of your days? Well, it's my pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in death and raised to walk in newness of life. I love you, Ray. and the work of Jesus on our behalf. And Lord, we thank you for this morning, for this time. Would our hearts be overflown with hope for you. In your name I pray, amen. You can grab a seat. Well, a couple of months ago, I was up on this stage and I was telling y'all we're, we're experiencing a special year. And if you consider from last summer till the next summer, this body out of Fayetteville is going to see 11 people launch to go overseas to some of the most difficult areas of the world in order to take the gospel. 
And I was short on that number because I wasn't counting in the two newborns that are gonna be uh, going. Uh, the last couple that we prayed over uh, had a baby in this little baby Callahan. Uh, if y'all can see, this baby's absolutely adorable. And I know you're looking at the baby, but this is Austin and Ruth. And Austin, I'll never, we, we can't say their last name for security reasons, but Austin, I'll never forget the very first time that we had a meal together. It's on Slim's Chicken, at Slim's Chicken on college. And I asked him, I said, hey, what, what's the plan for your life? And he says, well, I'm gonna graduate college. I'm gonna get a job. I'm gonna pay off my school debt. I'm gonna go to missionary training school. And I'm gonna be trained to go overseas and hopefully to see a church planted among the unreached. And since that time, that's exactly what he did. What he didn't expect is that he was gonna meet his beautiful wife and be blessed with a child. So he's already growing his team to go overseas. And so we just wanted to pray for them this morning. Uh, in a little over a month, they're gonna be sent out. And it's gonna be the last Christmas that they spend uh, for some time here in the States with their family and friends. So fellowship, please join me in praying for them. And as always, when we send somebody out, we realize it's, it's the entire body that's behind them. And so we just ask uh, for you as, as you pray, just, just to put a hand out and put a hand forward and for them just to know that uh, your support and prayers are behind them. So let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for Austin and Ruth and baby Callahan. And God, I thank you so much for that plan that you put on Austin's heart years ago, that he has been faithful, dear Lord, to follow what you set before him. And dear God, that you blessed him with a family and that family has not taken him off that path that you made so clear on his heart. Matter of fact, it's made it stronger. That you gave him a bride who's just as passionate about taking the gospel where it's not. And so, God, go before them. May they have a sweet final Christmas here in the States, dear Lord. May they have great memories made with their family and friends. And God, be with them as they take the gospel into the place where they've never heard your name. That's your name. Amen. They will be lighting the Advent candle for us this morning. We light this candle as a sign of the coming light of Christ. Advent means arrival. We reflect on the first advent of Christ and we await the next. We look for the coming of God's kingdom. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. We light this candle as a symbol of the hope that we have in the promise of the Lord's coming. For the Lord will fulfill his promise to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. A righteous branch will spring up from David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. And together we sing, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come.
Well, good morning. Let me be one of the first to wish you a Merry Christmas. And if I could ask you to do a favor, uh, they asked me to let you know that we need to move to the left, if you could. Move to your left so we can get everyone seated in here. They're working really hard to get everyone a seat. And uh, for those of you standing in the back, since they've moved, come sit down, okay? Don't stay back there. It's full this morning. People heard that Brian was going to be telling jokes. He forgot one, though. My grandson's favorite uh, joke this Christmas is, where does Santa stay when he's on vacation? A ho-ho hotel. Okay, so you share that with your grandchildren. The prophecy candle of hope is lighted. It reminds us that God said that he would send a deliverer, that he would come. And that promise was fulfilled. And before he left, and John 14 said that he would come again and take us to be where he is. And we believe that promise is true, don't we? Don't we? Yes, we do. We believe that he will come again and take us, receive us to himself, that where he is, there we may be with him forever. So every time we see the prophecy candle of hope, It should remind us of that hope that we have in him. Before we begin talking about hope for us this morning, I want to just say thank you. Thank you for participating in the elder nomination process. Thank you for praying for us. It's so important that we get this right. So important that we get this right. And we want to listen to the Holy Spirit as we are preparing to bring new elders onto our team. And we have a couple of elders rotating off. So thank you for your help. In that, thank you for participating. You know, Fellowship Fayetteville is one congregation among several congregations that make up Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas. And when we are all working together, we can make a tremendous difference. And so, thank you for participating in helping us with different initiatives. You helped us with Fellowship Bentonville. Now we have this project going on with Fellowship Rogers. When all of our congregations participate together, we can accomplish great things. Uh, not only financially, but also in making a difference in Northwest Arkansas and the world. I believe that Northwest Arkansas is a better place to live because of the ministry of Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas and other churches, evangelical churches like ours. Don't you? I believe it is too. Let's keep up the good work. Let's keep telling. Let's keep baptizing. Let's keep making a difference until he comes. So thank you for participating in all those things. And Brian mentioned the gift. It's It's just amazing all the things that we've been able to do because of your generosity through the years. The elders determine how those funds will be spent on our behalf and they make a tremendous difference. And thank you. We do live in a dark world and we saw that October 7th and we've seen that in the chaos all around us. Just when you think things couldn't get any worse, it does. We reach a new low. Recently, I did a podcast, an interview with Dr. Mark Bailey, the Chancellor of Dallas Theological Seminary. I did an hour interview with him on the podcast that I do called The Ride Home. If you want to get a biblical perspective on all that's happening in Israel right now, I encourage you to listen to that podcast. The QR code is there. That will take you right to the episode, or you can go to The Ride Home on Apple or Spotify on our app is there as well, but uh, you can pick that up. Hope for us, as David preached just a moment ago, it's waiting, not wishing. 
It's waiting, not wishing. In the darkness of this world that we live in, we scan the horizon for hope as we wait for the promises of God to be fulfilled. When I was a boy, it was this time of year that something came in the mail. It was the wish book. Remember the wish book? I found this one PDF form from 1968, and that was right in my heyday. My mother would have to get two wish books because my sister and I would fight over the wish book. Found in the wish book were all the toys you knew you were not going to get. (laughs) Toys, not clothes. We didn't look for the clothes, but when that wish book came, man, we would pour over it. My, and speaking of poor, my parents were very poor. When my little sister was born, they had trouble scraping up enough money to provide milk for her. I mean, that's how bad it was for them. They were one emergency away from financial disaster most of the time when I was growing up. So they were poor. But they always did more than they should have for us at Christmas because they wanted us to have more than they had had. And so they worked very hard for that. And so when the wish book came, we went through those books. We dog-eared the pages, didn't you? Dog-eared the pages. You circled things. You made lists. You put page numbers on them so that they would have the exact information so they could relay it to Santa and you got exactly what you wanted, helping them spend the money that they didn't have. That didn't bother you a bit. I found some things in the wish book here that we could look at. Ladies, how about those curlers? And that, that Hollywood mirror there, Hollywood makeup mirror, you could see every little wrinkle to cover up. Uh, let's go on to the next one there. How about some fuzzy wuzzy slippers? I think those are coming back, aren't they? Maybe not the moccasin things. I don't see those around much. But uh, then the next one here. Uh, Hey, guys, the King's Road collection of turtlenecks. And then you can get some butterscotch socks to go with those turtlenecks. And how about an alpaca sweater? You, You wonder if it still smelled like an alpaca. I don't even know what an alpaca is, but they had them there. And then next, look at that scarf with that corduroy sport coat. Meet me down at the club. And those guys, those guys at the bottom, I don't know. I never had that one. The medallion thing, it's like, hey, let's go write some poetry together, you know? It's back when they used to snap rather than clap, do something different. And here, the shortwave portables, those were kind of expensive, but it was the latest in technology, and you could communicate with people, it says, on five continents. Not sure about the other two, but you could communicate on five anyway. Oh, and here are the toys. Get right past them. The electric football set, you've probably never seen one, and there's a reason for that. You would turn on the button, and and it made this awful noise, like that. And then the little things on top, they would just spin around. You didn't play football. You didn't play football, but it would just spin around. It was worthless, but everybody wanted one. And he had the baseball and the hockey and all those things. And then the next one, what do we have here? Oh, the unicycle. Everybody wanted a unicycle. And those poles that go with it, that was what sent you to the emergency room. Okay? Oh, and the little toys with the battery-operated parking garage, up in the left-hand corner, I still have that little case. And all my little cars, yeah, aw. 
All the little cars that go, it's up in my attic. I should have brought it with me this morning. But I have those cars that it has out there. The Viewmaster. You could travel the world with a Viewmaster. And the one on the left had batteries. Us poor kids, we had to get ours out and look up at the sun so that we could see inside of. But the Viewmaster, travel the world in that. The Punch Me's. That lasted about a half hour with me before I had a hole in it and kicked there out of pogo sticks, stilts, space walkers. I mean, you had it all right there. What do we have next here? Oh, G.I. Joe, we're in space, buddy. Apollo 9, right there. And the, the, the lost in space robot. Barbie, all the accessories. Look at that latest model car there. And then the next one. Oh, I really like this one. All the recipes to go with a little oven. And look what it says. Only Sears has it in high fashion avocado. <laughs> Is that coming back? Please tell me it's not. Please tell me the avocado is gone. The drinking wet dolls, that, that was it. You pour something into them, it comes out the other end. The most realistic thing in the catalog right there. And I just had to throw this one in there because up at the top it said this phonograph is practically kid proof. Not in my house. A football would have gone through that within a half hour. But that was it, the wish book. The wish book. As we would pour over that thing, I could still see myself sitting on that front porch just making my way through everything. Dog hearing those pages. But here's the beautiful thing for us today. You know, we don't do toys anymore, do we? We don't do toys. We're beyond all. Well, actually we do. They're just bigger and more expensive, right? Just bigger and more expensive. And we go online to find them. But here's the beautiful thing. This is not a wish book. This is not a wish book. These are the promises of God that we believe with all of our hearts will be fulfilled because all the promises he made to us in the Old Testament we see fulfilled in the new. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning, the promises of God. Hope for us. You know, at Christmas, we're surrounded by lights. We light the candle. All around us, the Fayetteville Square, houses. We climb steep roofs. We climb ladders. We hire people to come up and put all different colors of lights all around us. No tree is safe. It's going to be wrapped up in lights. Why? Why all these lights? It's because Jesus is the light of the world. Pagans who put up lights, they don't realize why they're doing it. But we celebrate with light because Jesus is the light of the world. This Christmas, as you look and admire all those lights, remember, they're there because he is the light of the world. Where there is darkness, his light chases it away. The darkness of sin has no chance when Jesus speaks into it. And we're going to look at that light this morning. God introduced the light through Isaiah. And here was the situation of the world. You know that after the death of Solomon, if you've taken Panorama of the Bible, which I would encourage you to do, take that class because it puts everything in order for you. The Bible from beginning all the way to the end. But the kingdom of Israel was divided into northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. After Solomon died, his sons couldn't get along, and so it was divided into two kingdoms. Israel to the north, Judah to the south. Well, Israel in the northern kingdom 
had made a pact with Syria. Syria was approximately what it is today, a little bigger. With King Rezin. Pekah was the king in the northern kingdom. He made a pact with him that they wanted to attack Assyria. And so they started putting together a coalition of kings to attack Assyria, who was to the north and to the east. Well, they asked King Ahaz, who was the king of Judah, to join them. And he said, no. And they said, fine, if you won't join us, we're going to attack you. And so what he did was go around them and he made a deal and bribed the king of Assyria to attack the northern kingdom and Syria, Pekin and Reza. And so he did. He attacked them, but it backfired on Ahaz because after Assyria finished attacking those two, he made his way on further south into Judah. And it was dark, dark. Days. In the process, Ahaz was a terrible king, but he got even worse because he adopted some of the mystical practices that he found in Assyria, and, and it was pretty bad. We're going to see some of that in just a moment. Pretty bad, all the things. He offered his son to the god Molech in, 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 in the fires of Molech there in the valley of Hinnom in Jerusalem. Terrible time. And we know that during that time that, that 722, Assyria would conquer the northern kingdom of Israel, would try to go into the south, but God wouldn't let that happen. And here's the beautiful thing. God told Ahaz, he said he was going to protect Judah. And all these prophecies that you find in this section of Isaiah that we're going to read, the whole purpose of them is so that Judah will come back to God. And that's what the prophets did. For hundreds of years, they begged the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom to come back to God, come back to God, come back to God, and they refused. And what happened? They were punished. And God used Assyria as his instrument in the northern kingdom. In 722 B.C., they invaded. They carried the people off. They intermingle with them, and that's where we get the Samaritans. And even though they attacked Judah, God protected them, but we know that in 586 B.C., the Babylonians would come and conquer the southern kingdom as well. And there is the diaspora where they were conquered and they were taken away from their home. But God told Ahaz, he said, through Isaiah, I'm going to protect Judah. Ask for a sign. And Ahaz was so arrogant, he said, no. He would find his answers elsewhere. And then through Isaiah said, God said, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. And that's where we find ourselves in Isaiah chapter 7 in verse 14. Now you know the history of why it says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you what? A sign. God said, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. The child whose name was God with us was, was a sign not only of the destruction of Israel, but the destruction of all of Judah's enemies, at least for a time, including Assyria. Assyria would try to attack Jerusalem, but they 
They were thwarted. And finally an angel of God came in and wiped them out. And they went on their way. This would be a fulfillment of the prophecy. But we know that Jesus would be the ultimate fulfillment of the prophecy. Because of what we read in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 22. Look at that. Matthew writes, all this took place to fulfill what God said through the prophet. And he's talking about Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we see the ultimate fulfillment of the prophets. Prophecy is that God's son would be born and he would take away our sin. And Isaiah spoke of the people during this time as a people who were walking in deep darkness. Deep darkness. They could not see their hand in front of their face. They were so distraught about what was going on. Where was God during this time? In Isaiah 8, 19, he instructs them of the danger of looking to the world for answers rather than the Lord. And as we read this, I want you to think about our modern situation and the darkness we live in. You know, when I pray for our nation every day and I pray for all the nations of the world, I I think about this darkness and I pray that God would wake us up. That would wake us up and we would turn to him who has the answer for everything. And so I want you to think about our situation in the darkness that we live and the sin that we live in. 819, not many people read this to you, but I, 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 I want to pull this out before we read the other verses. He said, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists, and remember that Ahaz had gone to Assyria and he adopted some of their practices and brought them back to Judah. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists in our day, I think about social media. I think about all the stuff out there. I think about the news media where we tend to get all of our answers and all of our information. That's where we go to get it. It may not be a medium or a spiritist, but we rely on it. Whatever someone else says, mm, that must be right. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should we not go to God about it? Don't we get perfect perspective from him? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction in the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and God. They don't understand. And then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. That's us sometimes. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee and the nations by the way of the sea, the Via Maris that runs up the Mediterranean coast and right through Capernaum where Jesus made his home and beyond the Jordan. Looking to God rather than the world will always bring us Hope, not a wish, not a wish book, but hope. When we look to God, we find the light of hope. It's so easy for us to operate in the world, in the way the world does, but we have a greater hope 
in Christ. So look what he says in Isaiah 9-2. He's talking about this people in darkness. He said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a land of deep darkness, the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Then he describes their ecstatic joy. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I think Michael is going to dig deeper into this passage next week. He said, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as a people rejoice at harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for a fire. That's the promise that God is giving them. He's telling them that that it should be a cause for the greatest celebration they could ever imagine. Why? Because a light, the light is going to dawn in the midst of their darkness. How's it going to happen? Verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, the Davidic king. Establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. In other words, God is eager to set this plan in motion. God is eager for the light to dawn on the people. Isaiah foretold the light, and now John, 700 years later, 700 years later, would describe that the light had finally dawned. This is a great theological passage. I would encourage you to memorize it. John chapter 1, verse 1. He says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it or comprehended it. You see, darkness or evil doesn't understand good because evil only serves itself. Light, good. Goodness serves others and looks out for their best interests. As John 3.19 tells us, light has come into the world, but people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. As believers, we don't embrace the darkness. We embrace the light because in the light there is hope. He goes on. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's Jesus. He was in the world and Though the world and was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, the Jewish people, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And then look at this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. He would balance that great paradox of grace and truth. 
John testifies to us that Jesus, the light that Isaiah described, had come. He'd come. God kept his promise. God kept his promise. We celebrate his birth because it's impossible to suppress our joy. That's why we sing the songs. Because Christ is light and in him there is no darkness. He shone his light across that great dark divide. That darkness that Isaiah described is the same Hebrew word that David used in Psalm 23 when he described the valley of the shadow of death. That valley of darkness, that deepest darkness. It was the same valley of the shadow that Abraham looked across when he believed, looking forward to the city whose builder and foundations were of God. He believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. It was the same valley of the shadow that Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab and Joshua and Caleb and Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and Isaiah and Jeremiah and all the prophets. It was all of them who looked forward to a city whose builder and maker was God. Hebrews tell us they, they were looking for a better country. They were waiting because they lived in a dark world and God had something more to offer. We don't wander around in the darkness with no hope because of what God has promised us. We don't live under the shadow of the valley of death because what God has promised us. He has made it all possible. And then when Jesus came in John chapter 1, as John confirmed for us, he says to us, you don't have to die. You can live with me forever. It's not hopeless. I go to prepare a place for you and I will come again and receive you to myself. And there you will be with me forever. Well, Isaiah prophesied the dawn of the light. John described the advent of the light. And now in John chapter 8, Jesus himself affirms that he was indeed the light. Look at this, John 8, 12. There they were at the great Feast of Tabernacles. The historian Josephus described the Temple Mount during the Feast of Tabernacles. There were great torches that lit up and shone across the marble there. And, and, and Jesus was not going to go there. Or so his disciples thought, but then he appeared and he stands up in the middle of all this light that illuminated the temple mount, shining off that marble, lighting up the night sky. And look at what he said. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus said, I am. Am the light of the world. Isaiah predicted it. John affirmed his advent. And then Jesus said, I'm here. I'm here. In John 9, 5, when he was bringing light to the eyes of the man born blind, Jesus said, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. 
He affirms it once again. I am the light of the world. But look at what he said. This is very interesting. While I am in the world. While I am in the world. In other words, there would be a time when he would leave. You see, Israel, the purpose for God's chosen people is that they would reflect his glory to the world. But they didn't do it. And now we have been given that opportunity to reflect his light to the world. And so what did Jesus say to them in Matthew chapter 5? He said, you are the light. There'll be a time when I'm not here. While I am in the world, I am the light. But there'll be a time when you are supposed to be the light. You are the light of the world. A city on a, built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Isaiah foretold the light. John confirmed that the light had come. Jesus affirmed that he was the light. And now he says, you and me, we are to be the light of the world. And let me ask you the question. Do people see the light of Christ in you and me? Or they only see darkness and despair? Are we just like everybody else? We throw up our hands. We don't know what to do. We don't have any answers. Or do we point them to Jesus and say, this is the answer. Don't get caught up in what the world tells us how we ought to operate. To be in despair over the darkness of our world. No, we have a torch. We say, this is the answer. And in him, there is no darkness. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You can transcend what this world tells you is hopeless. And here's the thing for us. Once you have been exposed to the light, once you have experienced the light, once you have tasted the light, you're never going to be truly happy unless you are reflecting the light. Is that true? When a believer who has experienced the light keeps it to themselves and they don't allow that light to shine through them into other people, that believer is just going to be miserable. Because we are not fulfilling the purpose that God has for us. I'm convinced that when we come down to those last moments our life, of our life, we will say, I wish I had done more for him. And today is the day to turn that around. To do everything that we can possibly do for him because we realize from his word that he is the light. And we are to be his light. Why is that so difficult for us to grasp? Well, it's because we have an enemy. We have an enemy who is second in power to God. And he is able to cloud our minds. 
then we have to stay in the word, stay close to God, stay away from temptation so that we walk in the light with him. He gave us a commission, which is our mission. Let's go and make disciples. That's what we as a church, Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas, Fellowship Fayetteville, being a part of that, that's what we are to do. We are to be His light to the world. Transcend that darkness. And so that's my message for us at Christmas. The prophecy candle of hope is lighted. That we would reflect that light. M. Voskamp said this. She said, when you light a dark world and the unexpected places with a brave flame of joy, when you warm the cold, hopeless places with the daring joy that God is with us, God is for us, God is in us, when you are wicked to light hope in the dark world, then you believe in Christmas. Would you bow for a moment? I would just ask that you take a few moments to reflect on your life. Not someone else's life. Not the person sitting beside you. Not the person that you've been praying for that you hope would come to the light. But just for a moment thinking about you. Where are you? Are you living in darkness and dread and fear? When you have the word of life that brings you encouragement, that gives you promises, not wishes. I encourage you to run to the light. Say, Lord, help me to be all that you've called me to be. If you're here this morning and you don't know the light, you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, I implore you, I beg of you, what better time than Christmas to ask Jesus to come into your heart. Say, Lord, I want to follow you all the days of my life. sing this song to the only one who's worthy of being adored. We behold him. He's the king of kings. So let's sing this together. 
We have hope, amen? He is our hope. And this week as we go, I want you to remember this from Romans chapter 15, verses 13. It says this, May the God of hope fill you, fill us, with all joy and peace as we trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We leave here as a people with hope because of Jesus. Amen. To my right and to your left, we have communion available for you, or to my left and to your right, we have our prayer room. We'd love to see you in those spots continuing to worship. We love you. We'll see you next week, Fellowship Fable. Have a great week of worship.